Hello and welcome to Revitalize. Perspire, inspire, expire. Revitalize is daily encouragement for modern Christian women, sponsored by Teaching Mums Limited, an executive coaching company for mums by mums. Visit teachingmums.com today. Each mum, reach mum, teach mum. This is your personal invitation on how to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. Now this personal invitation has been taken from the Joyce Meyer Everyday Life Bible. All verses used will be amplified, the amplified version, unless otherwise stated. Please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me and forgiving me of my sins so I can have a personal relationship with you. I am sincerely sorry for the mistakes I've made and I know I need you to help me live right. Your word says in Romans 10, 9, if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognising his power, authority and majesty as God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe you are the Son of God and I confess you as my Saviour and Lord. Take me just as I am and work in my heart, making me the person you want me to be. I want to live for you, Jesus, and I'm so grateful to you for giving me a fresh start in my new life with you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer along with me for the first time, then I'd love to say to you, welcome to the family, sweetheart. Um, This is, apart from getting married and having children and um, following your dream and deciding to step out on your own, this is the best decision and the most important decision you will ever make. Um, And I want to welcome you and celebrate you for this personal commitment that you have made in hidden places. May the Lord bless you and multiply you and increase you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Um, Practical things. Join your local online church. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, join your local online church. Read your Bible every day. Download apps with scripture and protect your salvation with your life. Tell other people how wonderful the Lord is. And of course, if you have prayer requests, you can get in touch with me, lulu at teachingmums.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to pray for you. It's so accessible and even easier now than it was six months ago. Good for you. And continue to believe that you are perfectly loved just the way that you are now. Good morning and welcome to part two of Revitalised Talks on Selfishness. Now we started this yesterday and 
The feedback and the love was phenomenal. So we're going to open with a short word of prayer and then we are going to look at the Bible verses. I'll share the verses with you and then just get into the word and I really want to encourage you. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful sunny bank holiday. Holy Spirit, I have no other truth apart from the truth that you share. And I, I thank you for affording me this privilege. But I also ask you to fill me today so that um, the things that I share are, um, are clear, um, accurate, truthful and encouraging. I want nothing more than for people to grow closer to you through your word. Have your perfect way and help me to stand and walk and run in this faith, in this life and the next. We thank you, matchless King, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so just a recap of yesterday. We looked at three scriptures, Genesis, Proverbs, Mark. You can um, just listen to yesterday's episode again if you need a refresher. But we were looking at what um, the root of selfishness is. And I shared that the root of selfishness is fear because you hold on to everything you have and it's harder to share if you don't think you will get any more, um, if you're not sure or secure in the source. Um, that's the kind of thing we were looking at yesterday. Today, we will be looking at one, two, three, four scriptures. Um, the first one is Romans 12, verse 10. You can just go to that part in your Bible. If you have your Bible in front of you, just fold the page. That's Romans 12, verse 10. Romans 15, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Then 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. I will read the scripture to you and then expound and um, talk about how that scripture directly relates to selfishness and how we can move on from selfishness into selflessness. And it is hard. And I was tested yesterday on this. And as I said to you, I'm, I'm growing. I've been a Christian for 19 years and um, that's a long time. Um, it's longer than I've been a mum. <laughs> um, so my entire adult life has been committed to Christ with lots of bumps in the road. Um, so I will never ever advocate for having arrived. But on this journey, I may be 10 steps ahead of you, one step ahead of you. Some of you that are listening may be ahead of me. What's important is that you keep going. Okay, amen. Romans 12, verse 10. So I think I shared in a couple of shows before that the name of the book is um, <laughs> titled after the group of people that the letter is addressed to. So the book of Romans is a letter to the people in Rome at the time that um, Paul, the apostle Paul lived, which is after Jesus um, died and rose again, um, after the day of Pentecost, after the ascension, it's after that. So anything you hear from Acts onwards, um, round about Acts two or three, we're looking at um, the apostle Paul's words inspired by the Holy Spirit and his letters of instruction, encouragement, and warning to the people of that period. Um, where the book has a name, 
that's the person that wrote the book, okay? Um, now, some of you will know that, but if you just become a Christian today and you've never read a Bible, it might be helpful for you to understand what the different names of the books are in the New Testament. Okay, Romans 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honour. And then it goes on to say in 11, I'll just read it to you so we don't lose the context. Never lagging behind in diligence, aglow in the spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord, constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ, steadfast and patient in distress, devoted to prayer, continually seeking wisdom, guidance and strength, contributing to the needs of God's people, pursuing the practice of hospitality. I'll stop there. So the focus of that section is um, verse 10. Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honour. Now, that is the, the complete opposite of what selfishness is. I spoke to you yesterday um, about selfishness and selfishness is not um, synonymous for self-care. And I think sometimes, especially as women, and I don't know if men do this because I'm not a man, so I can't um, speak for them and I can't generalise. But for what I know of myself and many of the mums and the women I've come into contact with, that if you have um, self-care as a priority, you suddenly start to feel guilty or selfish. Now, self-care is not the same as selfishness, because if we look at what the Bible says, it's talking about being devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. And yesterday I spoke to you, you know, quite plainly about what my commitments are um, within my family unit. And in this context, he is talking to the Roman people and also to the church, to the body of Christ, where to love one another and be devoted to one another as we are in one family. Now, let me just turn that on its head if you are not already functioning in that capacity in your own natural family, it's much harder to do in church. And I'm saying I'm saying this not as um, a theory or you know hearsay. I'm saying this from experience. I was highly functioning in the body of Christ and absolutely of no earthly good to my natural family. And in my opinion, I think that's wrong. I think it's important that the order is correct and you serve and devote yourself to your own family. Um, even as a single person, you will have family members. You may have siblings, parents, nieces and nephews. You may be um, a single mum. You know, you have priority to the people that are in your home, um, I believe, before you go and serve the wider church. Because I tell you what happens. When God sets you in a family, the Bible says the Lord sets the solitary in families. When God sets you in your natural family, it actually sets you up to function better in the wider family, which is the body of Christ. Now, it says, give preference to one another in honour. Giving preference to somebody simply means that you're not just thinking about your own needs, you're also honouring and considering and acting upon the needs of another person. Um, so I, I'll give you an example. You may um, normally like to watch a series on a, on a Tuesday evening and you binge watch, maybe all of your children have gone to bed, let's say, so you binge watch from seven till midnight. Maybe you work from home, so you don't have the time constraints in the morning of what time you start work. Wonderful. 
but then a family member, maybe an aging parent, an elderly parent, um, somebody in your family that's unable to care for themselves requires you to do something. Now, you are not a bad person if you say no, but the way that I see it is the binge watching it, to me, I don't think that's bad either. And there's no point in me saying, oh, binge watching is evil. It, it isn't because I do it. And if I'm saying it's evil, then I'm saying that what I do is evil. So the issue is not the binge watching of the TV. The issue is that's your personal time that you set aside for yourself. But the way to look at it is if what you're doing on that night can be moved to another night, then of course you can have the other person. But another example is, let's say um, you have young children and a working husband and he is working on the night, through the night, on the same evening, you've been asked to help somebody else. Can you put aside the childcare for that night to help that person? Or well, no. And this is how I deal with lots of decisions that come my way. And I think, can this be put off to another day? What is going to be directly impacted by this? And I know that seems quite rational and reasonable, and I know that God calls us to be um, to walk in faith, but I, I also believe in an, in an order. And if we look at the life of Jesus, actually what he did is he spent time with his father. He went away to a quiet place. You see that many times in the New Testament. And then he went to serve people. So he actually had his priorities in order. He still gave preference to other people. You saw how um, we learn how Jesus loved children and he insisted they were not shooed away he loved um, families. He loved to help people who were ill, healing, speaking words of life over them. But he also had a very, very, very secure and strong personal life. Now, we know that because of the way Jesus is described as taking himself away, praying, doing what he was asked to do at the time he was asked to do it, apart from one example, when um, Lazarus died, one of his best friends, and he waited four days. And a lot of people would argue that Jesus was late, but we're not God. And if Jesus had gone any earlier, it may have had a different outcome when actually what he went to do was to raise his friend from the dead as a, um, a foretaste of what was to come in him being raised from the dead on that Sunday. Now, the point that I'm making is giving preference to one another in honour does not mean not looking after yourself. Selfishness is that you are well looked after, you are content and satisfied, and you refuse to extend that to anybody else. That's the kind of selfishness I'm talking about. Now, you may not agree, and that's absolutely fine, but I don't think you can give preference to another person in honour without first looking after yourself. You can't give preference to one another in honour if you don't know what your priorities are. So in a more simple term, ask the Holy Spirit to show you every time you are asked a question or asked to contribute financially, emotionally, in any situation, ask the Lord, Father, is this for me? And sometimes you'll have to say no. Does it make you selfish? I think what makes us selfish is when we know we're supposed to do something and we refuse to do it. Let's move on. Romans 15, verse 2. Let each one of us make it a practice to please his neighbour for his good, to build him up spiritually. Amazing. 
Now, there's the age-old question, who is my neighbour? And that comes from the story of the Good Samaritans. And Jesus said, well, your neighbour is anybody who is in need. And I think of my immediate neighbours. Um, I have really lovely neighbours. I'm thinking of two people in particular that I've known for, you know, the best part of, of 10 years. And when I have been in need, they have just stepped in and vice versa. But in this context, your neighbour is your Christian brother, your neighbour is your Christian brother. Your, your neighbour um, are the people that are outside your family that you have been assigned to help. Now, remember when I spoke on the last episode that there are seasons and phases. And you may be in a season where God has called you to um, peaceful anonymity, <laughs> where he asks you to just step back on the sidelines and build yourself up spiritually so that you can go out and help your neighbour. You may be in a season of limelight where you're constantly helping your neighbour. But it here says here, make let each one of us make it practice to please his neighbour for his good. And I think there's an overarching theme that you can begin this practice at home. If you are in the habit of building your loved, one, loved ones up spiritually, it just becomes easier and easier to help your neighbour because neighbour is like an nth term. Neighbour could be anybody. Neighbour could be the elderly lady down the road. The, um, the, the neighbour could be a Christian family that you're supporting financially. Your neighbour could be um, people at church that you've decided to pray for. We use the term neighbour loosely, and I think it actually causes quite a lot of hostility because where do we draw the line? We're stopping along the way for every single person that needs our help and doing what God has asked us to do. Nothing can be done for God without the Holy Spirit because actually everybody's walk will look different. There will be days where I have set the time up to be able to stop to talk to whoever wants to stop and talk to me. And there are other days, like on a school run, <laughs> okay, um, let's be really serious, on a school run, um, going to see clients on the way to see a family member that I've agreed at a specific time, I'd be at an appointment. That's not the time for me to start my feeding the 5,000. If you look at Jesus, he set his day up, days up in such a way that he had the margins and the time to do all of those things. I don't think anything caught him by surprise because Jesus is also God. So he knew that all of those things were going to happen, but he was still prepared. He wasn't running around like, guys, like, I actually have seven and a half minutes and I have to fly. Never. And I think in order to get to a point of selflessness, we do have to create those margins. And I think that's what happens when we start to make it a practice. If you are intentionally going to be good to somebody, you have to make the time. If you're intentionally going to be good to your children or to your spouse or to your parents or to your relatives, you just have to make the time. I don't think that... Um, you can learn to become unselfish if you don't have the time. And I guess making the time is a part of this practice that the Bible has encouraged us to do. Please his neighbour, please his family members, please his parents, please his community, please his colleagues, your neighbour, the people um, that God has set around you to be good to. Do you remember what we said yesterday and what the word said yesterday in our last episode that we are to be great sources of good to others? 
So because we have been replenished and restored and refueled, we then give out of that abundance to others, not worrying about whether our source will run dry, but actually giving the best of ourselves to others at their point and time of need, according to God's will in your life. Because you might not be the person to meet that need, but you won't. we won't know unless we ask. It's a lot to think about. And I encourage you to take stock today and just say to God, are there people that I'm supposed to be good to today that I have overlooked? And you can also ask yourself an even harder question. Are there people that I'm giving a lot of airtime to that I'm not supposed to be giving that airtime to in this season? That's really hard. And I've had to do that in the past few months. And it was painful because there were, I was doing good things, <laughs> good and noteworthy things. And God is saying, your energy is going to the wrong place. And so I had to shift my energy and my good practice and pouring that love, that neighborly love out onto a new group of people. Two more verses and then we'll be finished. Let's go over to Corinthians, First Corinthians. There are two books in um, the Bible called Corinthians. It's First and Second Corinthians. And guess what? It's the letter to the people of Corinth. OK, so First Corinthians 9, verse 19. First Corinthians 9, verse 19. Now, if you are listening and you are a leader, a church leader, a pastor, and um, we're thinking about becoming one, the book, the first and second book of Corinthians is basically how not to run your church, okay? And fantastic advice from the Apostle Paul about the kind of things that Christians do that we really ought not to do. And some of the things I look at and I think, are you actually kidding me right now? And there are some things I read and I think, oh, well, I did do that, you know? So the point that I'm making is that, that the Bible is um, all-encompassing. There's no situation that you can face that the Bible, that the word of God does not have an answer to, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to everyone so that I may win more for Christ. I'll read on a little bit. To the Jews, I become a Jew so that I might win the Jews for Christ. To men under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, so that I might win those who are under the law. I love the word. To those who are without, outside the law, I became as one without the law, though I am not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. Fantastic. So I love... Um, I love the Apostle Paul's words. They're, they're like tongue twisters, but he's so specific and so articulate in saying that actually um, I do whatever I have to do to get whatever I have to get done as far as the um, cause for Christ is concerned. Now, when he's saying here that um, I've made myself a slave to everyone, let's be really serious about what that means. So... We can interpret it in two ways. We can say, well, okay, the Apostle Paul became a doormat and people just walked all over him. I don't think that's what it means. I really believe what he's saying is that he made himself serviceable and accessible. Now, we know that he lived um, 
as far as history tells us, a single life. We don't hear anything about a spouse or about children. So I'm assuming that the Apostle Paul was single and without children and without family ties. So he was in a position to prioritize multiple groups of people, making himself a slave for everyone, making himself accessible to everybody, making himself serviceable to everybody. That's what he's doing. But he's also saying, I'm free from all men. So it means that he's free from human approval and um, approval addiction and all the things that come from trying to impress people. And that has given him freedom, power and confidence to be serviceable and accessible. So I'm saying that to say this, um, building your your identity in Christ is the number one way um, to diffuse that spirit of selfishness. Because if you know who you are, and somebody takes you for granted, it does hurt, okay? It really, really hurts because you may be doing the right thing with all good intentions. You may be doing what God has asked you to do, and the person may respond in a way that makes you think, why on earth did I waste my time? However, the Bible says here in verse 19, I am free from all men, but nevertheless, I've made myself a slave to everyone. So what I'm saying is that if you've been hurt, in the church, by colleagues, by friends, by family members, it doesn't um, afford us the opportunity to be not non-serviceable anymore. And, and I mean, there has to be wisdom because of course, if you're being abused emotionally, financially, physically, in any kind of way, I don't expect you to pursue that relationship. What I am, what I am saying is that build your identity in Christ, that gives you fuel and confidence to be serviceable and that um, everyone, I believe, are the people that God has called you to. Not every single person in the world. It's impossible for you to be serviceable to the whole entire world. But that everyone can be um, an encompassing term for the people that God has called you to. Everyone in your family, everyone in your school, if you work in a school, everyone in your office, everyone in your church, everyone in your community. To whom has God called you? Those are the people that you become a slave to. And I know that the, the word slave is controversial because slaves are mistreated. And I don't use the word lightly, but I'm thinking of the cause of Christ. What has God asked you to lay your life down for? Let's look at it that way. Your family, um, your, your role as a missionary, your role as a, a manager or a leader, your role as a a long-standing head. What is your cause? What are you doing for Christ? Who are the people that God has asked you to lay your life down for? It's a hard question, but it makes saying yes and saying no so much easier. Final verse, everybody. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24. Let no one seek only his own good, but also that of the other person. So the overarching theme today is thinking about others, and that is what selflessness or altruism is. And it's really important that when we consider the other person, we do two things. I remind you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. And the second thing take action. Because what it says here is, 
Let no one seek only his own good. So your own good is important. Remember that I said selfishness is not self-care. It's not the same. But it also says to seek the good of the other person. Who is the other person? So pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into your priorities, his priorities for your life. The second thing is to take action. Because again, the other person is an all-encompassing term. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians saying the other person because everybody has another person in their life. The other person could be your spouse. It could be your, your newborn. It could be your manager. Maybe you've been called to be um, an anchor in your manager's life. Maybe you're the manager where you work. The other person could be anybody, anybody that God has called you to consider above your um, abundance. That's how I want to phrase it. So you've had all of your needs met, you're well rested and well fed, your family are well looked after, and then you step out. Who is the other person? Now, I, I can't tell you because I don't know what the calling of God on your life is. I know who my other people are. And God made that really clear to me. I think I've known for a long time, but it was so hard to um, overcome approval addiction. I really struggled with that. Um, I really struggled with my education. You know, well, what will people say? You know, I've studied for so many years. Am I now going to give up my job? All of those things really, really worried me. And actually, the only opinion that matters is the opinion of God himself. And God already approved of me the moment he... Um, gave me the privilege of being born again. And that was really before I did anything. In the same way he approved of Christ at his baptism, Jesus had performed no miracles. He'd healed nobody. He'd raised no one from the dead. And the father said in an audible voice, this is my son, my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So I'm saying to you now, even if you do nothing else, the Lord is still really pleased with you. But there is another person and the Lord is asking us to, to consider who the other person is and seek their own good. That's it for today. I'm going to end this session with a word of prayer. And I'll be back tomorrow with part three of selfishness. Father, thank you for your word. There's still so much to talk about and unpackage. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would honestly help me to um, develop this walk of selflessness it's really hard because I do think about myself and I do wonder okay well if I do this what will happen but I want to thank you that you're setting me free from that because you are my limitless source of life and finance and provision and health and all things good help me to extend that abundance to other women other mums other people and at the sound of my voice if there's anybody that has been hurt um, because of somebody else's selfish choices, I stand in the gap and ask that you would forgive them quickly and remove the pain from the heart of the one who has suffered. We can't repay evil with evil, but instead repay evil with good. Help the mums and families listening today and help us to become less and less selfish and more and more like you, Jesus. You are my friend and my king. Have your perfect way in us today that we would not be disqualified from the prize as we, as we do what you've called us to do in our varying capacities. 
Have your perfect way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everyone, that's all from me today on Revitalize. Inspire, perspire, expire. It's been so wonderful to um, have you listening in. Thank you for your time. If you haven't already done so, visit teachingmums.com to find out all the things that Teaching Mums is doing right now and leave a review. Leaving a review means that more and more women and families like yours are able to hear this message, this encouragement. I'm available on all the platforms where podcasts are shown and aired. Um, and it's wonderful to um, to have you with me on this journey. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. <laughs>